0: Welcome to Third Paradigm.
1: We are your hosts, clarity and nuance.
0: Third Paradigm is a digital third place, which is where people practice the art of conversation. The host and guests come from all backgrounds and different ways of thinking.
1: We at Third Paradigm will discuss ideas and the facts of life with respect while pushing the envelope. Third disclaimer, hosts and guests will share their opinions. The opinions of our guests are strictly their own and do not represent the opinions of Third Paradigm
0: however when we the host share facts we will back them up with evidence if we are wrong we will make it right as soon as possible because that's integral welcome to the repair guy so uh
1: why the heck did we create this show (laughs) i have no idea why did we do this Um, I think it's because we feel that there is a need to have heavier, deeper conversations with individuals, and not just simply from either an academic perspective or professional perspective, but from all perspectives.
0: Yeah, because it's like, when I watch the news, man, I just hear the same talking points over and over again, and it just... It's like no one's paying attention to what's really going on. And then sometimes there's just obvious things that could be said to get to the root of the problem, and it's just not said at all. It's like there's so many people that are misunderstood. There's so many people who don't have a voice. There's so many people who are just kind of like, like there's so many things they're just not paid attention to. And so we just keep going in circles. It's It's like things are just left it's like it's like it's on purpose for people to
1: be left confused. Right? It's kinda like some voices get lost into the fray. So is exactly what exactly does third paradigm mean? Well,
0: I mean, all right, so a third place, right? You heard of that? Mm-hmm. So a third place is basically where people meet together. It's like a communal space. And so we used to have things that were third places and we still do like bars and whatnot. I mean, even though there's some problematic things going on like Cheers the TV show is a third place I remember learning that however you don't have any like you don't have any places like that anymore and where you have people from different classes like people who make a lot of money people who don't people who are black people who are white people who are Asian people who are male and female and now we know you know a lot of people are learning what it means to be cis and then what it means to be trans and then you have Gay people, straight people, lesbian, bisexual. So it's just people with different experiences coming together and sharing their knowledge and their experiences respectfully. And even if they disagree. And I don't think that that really exists anymore. I remember reading like America has lost the art of conversation. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. So, so that's what the third part is the paradigm is basically the patterns of how we think because everybody has a bias everybody has their own experiences nobody knows everything nobody has a monopoly on the truth as they say so all of us have a pattern of how we think of a premise but they're like good premises or like true true premises, and then false ones good dialogues and bad dialogues or false dialogues true dialogues so paradigm shift is like when you change your way of thinking because you learn something better and you add on to the truth you already know. So a paradigm is like a piece of the puzzle of the truth that all of us have, but we're trying to figure out the other pieces. So like third paradigm, it's kind of like you're taking third place and then paradigm and putting it together.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of like from what I saw online when it comes to the idea of a third place, typically it's usually like you have your work and you have your home. But oftentimes, like you said, it's like sometimes the third place could be the bar, it could be a a coffee shop, it could be the library, somewhere where different walks of life kind of gather and have dialogue and you you bump elbows with people. But you're right, it feels like nowadays, it's very difficult to try to reach across that aisle and have dialogue because there's so much um, misinformation, there's so much distrust, there's so much miscommunication. And I personally, in my personal opinion, I don't feel that it's just simply because, oh, we're now all on social media, it's all digital. Literally, even just having a verbal conversation with another person, there's a lot of miscommunication. It becomes so common to where it's so hard to try to convey a more empathetic approach with very heavy topics. Because in the back of your mind, you're like, well, I saw this thing somewhere. I saw that stat somewhere. I saw this thing happen in the news. So how am I going to trust that this person is really coming from a very sincere place? And I think that's the reason why we here at Third Paradigm decided to create this platform, is to allow people to come on here and either be a host or be a guest and be able to have that dialogue. Um, and if they want to reveal themselves, that's up to them. Or if they want to be completely anonymous, that's totally cool too but the point is the messages behind what we speak of. A very dear friend of mine taught us a very wonderful foundation um, lesson that we were taught. And this person unfortunately passed away a couple years ago, but they would always open their home to communities of people from all walks of life, Mm -hmm. everybody. And they taught us the foundation of drum circles. And a lot of people think that drum circles are just like people getting together and playing music, and that's about it. Well, there's there's actually structure, and there's reason and meaning behind group drumming. And the message that he taught us before he passed away was being a master drummer and listening harder than we play. So the way he worded it is, Say this person starts the rhythm, and that is what is known as a master drummer. Mm -hmm. Everybody follows that master drummer. But the key factor is the master drummer is constantly changing. Sometimes the master drummer could be actually two people. It could be one person. It could be three people. But everyone finds a spot somewhere in that song, and when the person takes it on, the whole beat changes. Like, say I start and then say I like the beat you're doing and then I follow you now you've changed the song. And he taught us that the the foundation of a master drummer is listening harder than we play. Listening harder than we play. And I feel that in this, this day and age, it's becoming quickly the loudest one in the crowded room gets heard. And unfortunately, that coincides with the idea that that loudest person must be the representation of the mass. And with that combination, like I mentioned earlier, with the miscommunications and misinformation and all that, it dilutes our art of conversation.
0: You know, you're absolutely right. And then when you're thinking about forces in our society that are not friendly, sometimes the best way is to hide out in the open as they say and mm-hmm. so if you're always focused on the loudest and you're trying to get everybody to be the loudest what's important is not always what's said but what's not said mm-hmm. and so that person that's listening and not saying things has a lot of things to share or not share and a lot of power and i think that when you talk about everybody blames the internet and social media really is just a reflection of society because um here in America and I'm sure it's in other countries too possibly you know people from my experience of just being here in America and as, you know I, I see it as people are very lonely Yeah, and people are more lonely in one society versus another that values that communal aspect and just like the difference between living in a house versus living in an apartment or a dorm. Dorms can be very communal if you're in college, you know. But living in a house, in a neighborhood, you can know your, your neighbors. People still try to do the whole thing, sit on a porch and watch the kids and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But an apartment can be very isolated because you don't necessarily get to know all the people in your apartment complex. There is no reason to get to know everybody. Everybody can just go and do their own thing. And then before we even had the internet, I remember when people like to be text more than having to actually talk on the phone. And then words can get lost in a text. So you could be trying to communicate with somebody and somebody gets offended because you said something and there's like not the full context of what's being said. Like, oh, I didn't even mean it like that. So before we even had social media, there was this This dynamic of just trying not to be around people and maybe it's the way our media or mainstream media is where it's just we're always viewing our fellow neighbor as someone to be scared of or aware of and I mean there is danger but just on a fundamental level like they're the enemy and not things that actually have control over your environment I think is why people are very isolated so The isolation online is really just a reflection of isolation that's in real life.
1: And to kind of jump off on top of that, it really feels like in this day and age, and this is again just my perspective, it's not even just so much of isolation in a physical form, like you were mentioning about apartments and houses and all that, I feel that it's isolation mentally, where we as humans, we desire to be part of something. Um, a really good friend of mine started using the phrase of the belongingness that idea that you have found your group you found your community and people right now feel that there's so much um division and so much dividing to where they want to try to find other people that can at least empathize with them even if they don't necessarily sympathize they can empathize with them which it, it it becomes that that desire that like I need to be around someone. However, my per again my personal perspective boils down to that saying of we do need to be more comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because one of the things I'm seeing from my perspective is that a lot of what we're seeing happening now is getting challenged of what we were taught. A lot of our own country's history is coming forward because we were taught from a very specific perspective. And now there's a lot of people coming forward and because of the internet it gives a platform for everyone. And now it ends up challenging people to saying I don't know what to believe now because I was taught my whole life this one way and now all of a sudden it's a completely different perspective. And A very good friend of mine kind of boiled it down this way. They basically said that you could live in the same country and two countries simultaneously, meaning, for example, my perspective of America comes from the community that I come from. I mean, everyone is a product of their culture, their environment, all that. But say you come up to where I live, you're going to see a different America. Say I go down to where you live a different America, different perspective. So when people say that we all live in the same exact country, that's not necessarily true because everyone has different experiences. And that is dictated completely by your upbringing, your ethnicity, uh, the race, the age, the generation, and so on. There's so many different ideologies and so many different experiences that People are now trying to figure out how do we live among each other with these different perspectives?
0: You know Someone once said and my wife Uh learned it from her grad school teacher um through a video may he rest in peace because he passed on um Mm -hmm. but That this whole thing of america being a melting pot Is not true It's been kind of cookie cutter and in reality, America is more of a tapestry, and mm-hmm. I think that the tapestry we're seeing is very delicate because with one court being cut, the whole thing could fall apart. I think the best way we can move forward is recognizing that we're a mosaic yeah. and a mosaic meaning that we do have our own stories our own you know our own uh cultures and whatnot, and that's okay to be different because you cannot really. You cannot really appreciate your similarities just trying to start out with your similarities. You have to acknowledge your differences, whether they be financial differences, cultural differences, gender, race, spiritual differences, you know. And that's okay to be different from one another, and it doesn't have to be one better than the other. But once you recognize, I have this difference, and this is the way I must go on this thing, you can unite on the things that matter it's not you cannot do it the other way around it's like, let's see how we're all the same and that's what we hear all the time that hasn't really worked out too well yeah. you know? and it's okay to be different and say hey this is different it's, I mean within one's own community you know you have people who are from the south and who are from the north you know or people who are from the city and who are from the rural area and they could be the same race they could be the same gender they could be the same age and they're so different but it's when you accept those differences it's like okay we're a mosaic and i think that it's good to be uncomfortable and it's good to be comfortable everybody talks about safe space and they talk about brave space and i'm like the people who complain about people wanting safe spaces want a safe space themselves let's just keep it real a church is a safe space you know uh, your home and your family ought to be a safe space. No one should have to be abused in their home, in their marriage, and mm-hmm. with you know, with their parent, you know, with their family members. And it's sad when someone is, you know, and and that that's a whole topic in parenting that we could discuss. And then you have it in your own community, where it could be the culture of an activity or a hobby you have. It could be the culture of just your racial history and background. Everybody has a safe space. And it's really how you use that safe space and if it's toxic. Because if it's toxic and it's so codependent where it's just like somebody got to be less than me in order for me to have any type of value or worth, that's where it's problematic. So safe spaces are fine because that everybody has the right to have their own control of an environment in a space where they feel comfortable for their own mental and physical and emotional health no matter where you, what you believe and what you think. And then there needs to be that public sphere where once again, a third place where you rub shoulders, where you challenge each other, iron sharpening iron man and women sharpening each other man sharpening man as you know the old saying goes. So or for some people the old scripture. So that to me is where it's not this or this is this and you know, and It's not that one history or one perspective has to be true and the other one has to be false. Two and multiple things can be true together. As I said, everybody has a piece of the truth. We're just trying to put it together because there are powerful people who want to keep power at the expense of everybody else. People get gaslit. People are not perfect, even if it's not intentional. Somebody could have thought wrong and passed it down to you. It's your responsibility to help how you were raised and make things better for the future.
1: Exactly. And then the, just on the side mentioned as well, when we were mentioning about, um, the mosaic of society, I believe that's actually written in the, in the, in the constitution of Canada is that they look at their citizens more as a mosaic is that everybody has their individual, uh, individuality in their own individual communities. But when you step back, it's a mosaic that ends up becoming the bigger picture. And, um, Another way to look at things, I saw this meme that went around a little bit um, where it was talking a lot about uh, spectrums from like a graphic design perspective. So when you use Photoshop or when you use InDesign or something and you're using colors, um, every single color has its own code. So you could have two reds that look almost exactly identical on your spread, but this particular red is numbered one way. And then this red is numbered completely oh, different.
0: So like i am complain about, I'm like, I'm I asked my wife, I'm like, sweetie, Why is it so many different colors of gray?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then I'm to find out women see more colors than men. And I'm like, y'all cheating. <laughs> y'all cheating. Hey, they're the ones that have been in all these colors because <laughs> they see more of it. So I'm mm-hmm. like, y'all cheating. But it, you're right. It's like, it could look exactly the same, but it has maybe like a warm, undertone, as they say, or a cool undertone, a little gray in it, a little more white, a little more dark, like, even though it looks the exact same, it's not. So I'm like, how many different colors of pink can you
1: have? <laughs> yeah, and pink. you can have endless numbers. So from a graphic design perspective, why does that matter? Well, it turns out that when it comes to the world of advertising or from... Like, um, I believe it's in like, copyright law certain companies actually can legally own certain colors yeah like how
0: what was, it, was it Susan B. Anthony like the, 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 the breast cancer they like copyrighted that pink you can't use that pink because it's theirs
1: so that's the idea is that when you look it's at people it, yeah. yeah exactly when you look at people it really boils down to not really so much thing good or thing bad or person good or person bad people are complicating people can be very complex. I have friends who lean very left on a lot of things, but then there's like one or two things that they actually would have more relationship with people who lean right, and then vice versa. I have friends who lean more right, but then when you bring up this particular topic or whatever it is, they're like, yeah, actually I'm very much on for that. It's like, you actually would have a very good conversation with my people, my friends who lean more left. So humans are just really, really, really complicating. It's not simply like... You got your left, you got your right, you got your middle. It's just a full spectrum. And then on top of that, you have all these different identities, all these different experiences, which is why it's so important to acknowledge those. That's why I've heard a lot of times people say, I don't see race, I don't see color, I don't see this. Well, when people say that, it's completely negating that person's experience and how they move and walk through life as that race as that ethnicity. Now, that's not to say that just because they're this ethnicity or this race, therefore that must be that entire experience of the person. No. And some may just be like, well, I'm just this, and it's not that big of a deal. And it's like, to them, it may not be a big deal. But for others, it's like, I can't walk two feet without someone trying to clutch their bag. I can't get in my car without worrying that a cop is going to pull me over and that could be the end of me. Like there, there's so much that comes more in with these different identities and these different ideologies that it, humans are just complicated. <laughs> humans is just complicated.
0: Right. So, at, at the same time, it's like just because I may be white or I may be black or I may be Asian, you assume these things about me and that these are the things that matter to me. And it's like, like you're assuming something and so you use my identity as a white person you use my identity as a black person you use my identity as a woman or a man and weaponize it to get to your own ends and you don't even consider that I might be very complex. So it's a double-edged sword. They talk about identity politics, but it comes and gets burned at both ends of the candle. So I got to deal with how I travel through the world as a white person or a black person or Asian or an indigenous or whatever, right? I got to deal with that, but at the same time, I also got to deal with how I'm looked at and perceived that as what my needs are, and if I just pander to you in any fashion as a working-class person or as a rich person, then Automatically it's like, oh, you should be happy with this. No. Why don't you come and talk to me? You know, it's like, like for black people, I see all the time that they want to focus on criminal justice reform. Well, if you talk to black people, that's not the only thing they care about or Latinos, I want to talk about immigration for you, but for Latinos, that's not the only thing they care about or for white people i want to talk about the fear of you know the changing of america or i want to talk about money or i want to talk about uh, religious issues and they can care about so many other things so it is it, a disservice to everybody to try to put them in a box and think that people can't be uh i guess not traditional or unorthodox or what's called heterodox where you could have Two things being true, like you said, on this issue, I'm here and on this issue, I'm here. And that's perfectly normal. It's it's, I got to be one way or another. And that's not how people are made because no two people are the same. So as much as it's like America's supposed to be about individuality or any democracy, at the same time, we still want to put people in blocks and make monoliths out of them. And they're not
1: and they're not. And it can be very, very complex like that exactly because people people are not meant to be in a box. But I will also say too, it is important to kind of acknowledge the community that they do come from as well. Because again, when you look at things like um, tax disbursement um, or education communities, you gotta look at it from like, well, what communities are getting affected the hardest? That's why we have the census and why that's so important. So I personally feel that it is kind of like on both. It's like. There's the individual that they walk through life, and there's these identities. And on the other hand, they're also part of this group, this group, this group, this group. And it's important to look at that and say, well, here's the experiences of that group. Like, take the LGBT, for example. Like, you look through it, and as far as I know, we're not really teaching LGBT history in, in most history classes.
0: Man, we don't teach women's history in classes. We don't teach history of rural people. I mean, we got conservative people in business, and we got conservative people in the rural area. They don't agree on everything. So if we can't even get that done, or even on the liberal side, there's so many people left out, like we're saying. And that's
1: why it feels that when it comes to the way that, in my personal view, would be ideal when it comes to a good government – the government and the people that we end up electing—it's a spectrum. You got more of a, a wide range to choose from because it's not putting us in either one way or the other. Because it's—it's it's very disheartening when it, it, when you end up getting pushed into one particular side because you're like, well, I agree with this one thing and I disagree with most of the other stuff, but that other candidate actually has a few things that I like, but I can't both of them because. I only have one or the other, and that's a whole different topic that we can dive into in another episode, the history as to how we even got here, because there's a reason why this is the case. It's not just simply money and corruption. It's because it was designed historically this way, but that is a whole different episode. But when you I mean, we'll look at what's in are now, exactly, it's, it, it ends up putting, like you said, like people or they could agree with a lot of things on this side and disagree with things over here, but they can crisscross all the time. But... When they're boiled well down to the two the choose one, they're like, I, I can't, I'm, I'm stalled. I, I ideally don't want either. Or some may say, I want both. But it, it ends up becoming that like difficulty for people to see something that they would feel is a lot more closer to their own beliefs and ideology.
0: You know, and honestly, I think we can end it with this. I think that there's this notion that somebody has to lose in order for me to win. And there's a way that situation. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is that when we talk about all these identities, right? And some people will feel like, Oh, this identity stuff or intersectionality is only for people of a certain, you know, political ideology. It applies to everybody. Like I think the lady's name was, um, Kim. No, I don't want to mess her name up, but she's a professor black lady. Um, uh, I'm gonna look her up, but the intersectionality, it was a black woman that invented the term, uh, and that applies to anybody. Like I said, you could be a person from the rural area with conservative values and be a person from the city with conservative values. That's that's intersectionality right there, or liberal, or progressive, or you could be someone who has no political ideology, and be in one area of the country versus another area of the country and just those experiences are different and the key to why culture matters and identity matters it's not that talking about race is a problem and I understand people's fear about talking about race mm-hmm. or identity or sexuality and how it can be divisive because then we're looking at the problem and we're looking at differences looking at differences is not the problem if you want a, what's called an egalitarian society where people Of all like the working class or the middle class work together. I mean, if you want people to be able to work together across the spectrum, you do need to look at differences. And the way you deal with that is actually talking about the differences because then you learn how to respect one another. Because historically, like you said, it's not just corruption and whatnot. There's a reason why things were set up this way, and corruption and whatnot was the tools to do that. But anytime there was a time in history and i think that these are the unheard of stories that we can discuss and people who could tell us and live through it there have been times where people across the spectrum always work together like in the civil rights movement from class to race to gender identity from religion and all that every time this country's moved forward it's been a a mosaic of people coming together why does that always get broken apart because there isn't cultural competency it's just that that gets weaponized by people who want to keep things the way they are and pick people against one another but if I know how to talk to somebody who has been through certain experiences as an individual or had a collective experience with their group and I know certain lines not to cross then I know how to work with that person I know exactly. how to respect that person. And so I can't be gaslit into somebody saying this person is against me and unless I am over them, I can have, no, I, I won't have anything. That's completely against being an individual and being free and independent where I got to be so co- codependent on what somebody else does or doesn't do morally or what somebody else does and doesn't do with their finances, what somebody else does and doesn't have. That's ridiculous. That's why... The whole world is in a mess right now because nobody wants to do what's right despite what anybody else is doing because they're always afraid what someone else will do and what they would do if the shoe were on the the other foot. Be responsible for you. So cultural competency comes into play with that while we also talk about the things that we all have to deal with together. So it's not about not talking about something, it's about how we do and don't talk about something.
1: Exactly. And I want to actually, I'm I'm going to like loosely quote this because I don't remember exactly word for word, but this particular statement really rings with me very, very well. I was recently part of a very good um, anti-racist book club. And one of the books we read was, So You Want to Talk About Race by Ijoma Olu. I apologize if I completely mispronounce that name, but there's a um, line that she says in there is that one of the values that we see throughout most of the country's history is, you get more because others exist to get less. And she says that a lot throughout the book. When you look at historical context of what got passed towards different groups, that idea of you get more because others exist to get less, that ends up um, um, solidifying that idea that we, like you were mentioning, in order for us to be this, there needs to be that. Like, in order for our club to exist, we have to have non-members. And it's become this tug of war between these ideologies of, are we getting our base needs met? Do we have food? Do we have shelter? Do we have this? And it requires a lot of drastic changes, but like you said, there's the other side of well, if the shoe is switched, I'm afraid of that. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be this. And it, it and that's where we're that's where we're kind of at. And like we were mentioning, the intersectionality between all these different things from ableism to yeah. gender, sexuality, race, all these different all these different identities they should be celebrated and shared. But at the same time, it's also, like you said, people are not bound by those identities either. It's, it's both. It really is both. It's how, do, how does this group impact this group? Also, within the groups, how does this person move through life and then this person moves through life?
0: It's exactly. And exactly. by the way, Kimberly uh, Crenshaw... Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw is the lady uh, who invented and she gets, you know, I heard like, oh, intersectionality is a leftist thing. And I'm like, have we not seen conservatives tell you like, and I'm being anonymous here, Uh, not anonymous here, but, you know, having experiences looking through churches and whatnot. Conservatives do not agree on everything and they have different experiences. That's intersectionality right there so it's not strictly a left thing so but no, I, it's
1: intersectionality at its core is a mirror to humanity
0: yeah period so,
1: the, so that's the whole reason why third paradigm exists um we want to give that platform to all different perspectives we want to invite people onto the show that share very opposing views again it's not so much the idea of people who are for or against good, think good or think bad. It's more so of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and then having that dialogue.
0: And also just seeing how comfortable we are in our comfortable spaces and if we're doing it the right way or the wrong way. Are, are they toxic or are they not toxic? Because I think if they're seeing some things in the news, it's a lot of safe spaces that have a lot of toxicity in it. You know, there's been a lot of abuse. And so we have to check our own spaces that we're comfortable in to make sure that they're doing what's right. So when we leave and go out into those uncomfortable spaces, we do what's right as well.
1: Exactly. And that's why our goal is to not only have those dialogues and discussions, but also to be able to figure out, well, where do we go from here? We learned some things and now what's the follow up? In advertising, they would call it, what is your uh, action plan? What is your Call to action, I think is what it's actually called. What is your call to action? Um,
0: I've heard that in other groups, too, where it's just like, I don't know. I've heard political groups said. I've heard just any committee or organization. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but, uh, that cuts across spectrums. So I've, I've worked in corporations. you got to have a call to action Yeah. Um, for the next five months, sometimes the next five years, <laughs> sometimes two <20 laughs> years. They plan that far ahead because, you know, people are counting on especially the publicly traded account on them to make that money so
1: mm-hmm.
0: alright folks so thank you for listening and we will see you all on the next episode peace.
1: we'll be releasing these every Sunday Yeah. And, so. uh, and you can listen to us wherever you hear your wherever you get your podcast from hey I said peace didn't I peace
0: peace I thought we were supposed to be keeping things clear and nuanced right <laughs> Alright, peace everybody.